When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Leads That Podcast. I'm James and I'm joined by Rocco Dean. Hello. Are we ever going to get a win again? Yes. Are we going to get a Premier League win again? Not so sure. It's been such a long time. It's such a slog going to the football and watching the football at the minute. And yeah, Twitter is a is a mass of people in complete meltdown and agony. And I get it. But yeah, God, it's so tiring. Yeah. I wouldn't even call it toxic now, Twitter. It's just like, just everyone's depressed like we're all on the same page now aren't we there's not really many arguments going on and can see how horrific a state we're in and yeah it's it's amazing that it's that it's really got this bad that was i think it probably was the worst performance for many many years on saturday just utterly shocking like at least in the first 20 minutes against forest we did some stuff oh it was it was diabolical i can't quite believe how bad it was I don't know whether this is my memory tricking me, but were we were we bad against Everton last season at their place as well? Oh yeah, yeah, we were definitely were, but they were good that day. I thought so. That's a bit of a mitigating factor. And Rodrigo hit the bar a couple of times, but then like the second half, I remember was really painful. Like we did absolutely nothing, and and so that was bad. But yeah, I mean, I still think Saturday was a lot worse. They were good. In that game, in the sense of Frank Lampard managed to get them to somehow do what he wanted them to do. They were bad at the weekend and we were worse, but they were bad because of the Daesh way of playing, which is just, you know, like Skubala mentioned, and he talks about, you know, playing for seconds and Everton were playing that game. And, you know, if you don't play football, you don't know what that is. Playing for seconds is essentially you letting your opponent take that first touch and then you basically trying to pick up the pieces from that. And that's what they did. You know, like as soon as Harrison got the ball, there was pressure on him. We'll probably come on to Harrison. And, you know, it was the same for everyone all over the park. We were being doubled up on just waiting for them to have a touch and then just get into them. And so we never got the game within any, any sort of decent flowing football. It was just, yeah, painful to watch. But Dyche, Dyche played his, his game the way he wanted it to be played. Yeah. And I think as well, like a team like, I know they said Burnley, then Everton. <laughs> yeah, you have. They're just, you know, basically all we're semi-decent at is running really, really energetically to chase down defenders. So we, like, if we're not able to press, if the team just goes over the top of us, like we're done for. Like we can't, we can't play. We can't play out the back. So when we have the ball at the back, we never manage to get forward. We don't play one twos. We're not able to pass through midfield. We're just completely and utterly clueless. I mean, I even started counting the passes and never got beyond five. Never really got near five. This was in the second half. The one time we nearly got to five was when Bamford did his air shot with the one chance that we had. That was that was the fixed pass to him, but he didn't connect. It's just mad. It's mad. Like even Adams was useless, you know, running around like headless chicken, 
terrible in possession, just always going backwards, taking the easy option. It was just awful. Bamford, every time the ball goes up to him, he's not even looking at the ball. He's not trying to win the ball. He's just grappling with the defender and always losing out. Attack the ball, for God's sake. It was just absolutely pitiful. Oh, it was getting me. I was quite positive, actually, before this, but now I'm getting angry again. This is what happens when you relive all that stuff. But I, I'm with you on, on all those things. And um, yeah, performances like everywhere were so bad. And I think that's what sort of worries me when you compare it to last season. And someone, someone in our Twitter comments said, we dwell on Bielsa, Bielsa a lot, which I think is a fair comment. But it's also, you know, a lot of this team is still of the Bielsa era or some of it is still of the Bielsa era. So, But that's what I worry about is that the remnants of what got us over the line last year were Bielsa's teachings and, you know, them being able to to bring some of that to the front again. Whereas this time round, it feels like it's all sort of been coached out of them this season. And, and I don't, I don't, I'm not sure any goodness has been coached into them. And like you say, there's just a lot of running, but what, what does that translate to in tactical ability? I'm not sure. Totally agree. Yeah, I think last season it was, you know, that the never say die spirit. And they were all desperate to stay up and 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 they had the fitness as well. Like I, I think we're seeing now that they're not as fit and, and that's obviously not helpful. And they did look like a marsh team actually going forward. You know, they they you know, the there are well, there are no patterns of play. Everyone seems to be on their own. You know, there's never interchanging passes, you know, it goes out wide and then the winger tries to take someone on and, and loses the ball or Bamford loses the ball, Harrison loses the ball. It, yeah, it was just, just awful. That's the thing, it, you know, in, it, everything was wrong. You know, the manager, the setup, the players individually, not being able to literally do anything. It was, it was crazy. Skibala said that we defended well. And I think emotionally at the time, I was like, what are you talking about defending well? <laughs> we didn't defend well. But looking back on it, I do think we did actually defend quite well. And considering we, we weren't, playing well in possession at all we actually set up quite well and did did stop a lot and really the goal came from an error an error and a lot of luck from Coleman you know I don't I don't think if you watch that back I don't think he's even looking at it looking up as he hits it so I don't know whether he was aware of Melia's positioning but I think that's what's frustrating as well as the just this the basics of your near post and just rather than just anticipating the crosses just felt like they're all the sort of things that are just really costing us at the minute. And I, I don't, I don't want to say it because it, it probably comes across as harsh, but I'm going to say it anyway, is that, that Melia tends to be beaten on his near post. That tends to be the weakness for him. And if you sort of that part of his game, aren't it will be, it will be, a, a, well, an unbelievable keeper. Yeah, I think he already is, but I think you can probably say he's in bad form. Yeah, the, the Man U second goal was was really poor. And then Saturday, to be honest, I think it was lazy. I honestly do. I think he's just, I think it's, it, it sort of shows where we are at, at a team mentally. Like we're just not on it at all. And and that's Melier being lazy. Like he, he knew the, the front post was open and he didn't bother trying because he thought it probably wasn't going to get shot in there or he won't going to shank it in there. I actually think he did mean it because he, he doesn't wrap his foot around the ball at all. I think it's just a speculative effort and it's somehow come off. But yeah, I think Melier, you know, it, it was it was outrageously bad, really. You know, he's, he's just he's just stopped. He's, he's not bothered to, to do his job, really. I think they've probably, yeah, defensively, they did all right, really, apart from that. I thought Cox is, was good and I think Cox probably the one player that's in form at the moment, actually, about ailing, I suppose, as well. 
But yeah, I just, I think the, the body language as well, you know, I, in the first half, like Furpo did a block and it went out for a corner. And do you know when, like Marsh says about celebrating moments, like this was the complete opposite. Like Furpo just done a decent thing, but we were about to face a corner and like his shoulders slumped and his head went down. And I'm absolutely not digging out Furpo here individually. It's just an example. They were all like that. You know, they all just look like just down in the dumps and we absolutely need a manager now. Like there's like, if we, if we have, if we go end up with scoops for these two vital six point matches, I think it's probably in the top three biggest mistakes of the, of Radrizani's reign because they'd need galvanizing now and, and scoops ain't going to do that. We said that at the Nottingham Forest game as well, that you could see a few heads and shoulders drop in. And I think Nyonto's was just a bit sort of, you know, we'd get up for a, a corner. We'd, we'd, we'd be getting a corner and he just sort of like looks just done. He just think, come on, it's not over yet. And I think it's, it's easy to sort of look back and talk about the glory days and, and having someone who could grab hold of the team and drag us through matches. But that is precisely what is missing right now is we need someone who really does just grab it by the scruff of the neck, you know, yeah. not, not necessarily with skill, but just on a mental level, just picks everyone up and, and, and drags them through. Yeah. Yeah. This was my concern at the start of the season was that there's no one at the whole club that is proven in the Premier League. And, you know, I thought that their confidence would be brittle, you know, even the players that have played there for two years, that they'd, they'd practically just got relegated. You know, there were, there was, you know, saved, like, you know, stayed up out of the jaws of, of relegation, lose the best two players, the two players that actually are proven in the Premier League and at the top level. And there's no one else there that, that anyone can look up to throughout the whole club. You know, Alters failed there at Middlesbrough in the Premier League. Rabdazan is not a football man, you know, and then obviously the squad and, and we've just continued to pump the squad full of young, inexperienced, unproven players that need help. Like even the Revy boys needed Bobby Collins and, and Jack Charlton. Like you can't just, I know we've got Cooper and Aylin and people like that, but what I'm saying is their confidence will be brittle as it was from last season already. And I think that's really coming to roost. We'll definitely come on to Otter and Radrazani because I think there's a lot to be spoken about there. And But just touching on the the individual performances of, you know, we mentioned Jack Harrison and it was one of those games for him where, like you know, you can always rely on his first touch. The bit afterwards is normally where he sometimes struggles, but even his first touch would, had gone. It was, it was bizarre watching him. It was like he was in Leicester. Yeah. And my dad said, actually, when, when we brought him back and he didn't go to Leicester and then he was named in the team against Forrest, my dad thought it was absolutely ludicrous and I actually didn't. I thought it was fine and, you know, Harrison's a professional, no, no big deal. But I think my dad's been proved right. And again, another sign of the board, not knowing what they're doing in terms of six months ago, they, they sent Dan James down to Fulham and then things changed and, you know, they probably wanted him back, but, they, you know, they didn't want to do that to him. They'd sent him down to Fulham. It was too late and they did the right thing. And then six months later, you know, we're panic stricken and, and we just do the opposite. And, and that's this board all over. They're just chopping and changing from one thing to the next on a whim. They don't have a clue what they're doing. We've lost complete, uh, complete control of the running of the club. And it's just a complete mess. And, and, you know, we're just the fans, like the players are part of this and it, it must affect them, you know, and it's their livelihoods and, and their careers as well that. You know, they're the ones with the black stain at the end of it. Yeah, I feel I feel for them really, as much as I'm angry at how they played on Saturday. It's just 
terrible. Like the, the club is in such horrific. This is positive, I, isn't it? I, I did my very best to take it back to the game and not let it creep into Rafa's <laughs> early and all. But it, but we've gone there. So I'm, I'm going to quickly wrap things up on the game and we'll move into the hot topics, I think. So quickly rounding up, Bamford's air shot, you mentioned awful, and he's had a couple of them in the last few games. I think Christensen's 90th minute foul throw summed it all up for me. It's like, you come on and you've done an all right job, but this is not what we need now. This is the last thing we need. Just a, a, a rancid day, really, really poor performance, and they need to rock it up them. But it needs to be a rocket that's very good at instilling tactical ideas quickly. Good shout. Javi Grazia sounds like a good solution. Yeah. So again, before we jump into our and Rabrizani, managers, we're recording on Monday night, same time as the under-21s playing. I believe Brendan Aronson scored for them, which is a positive. They've both been, him and Ruta have come off at halftime. But yeah, just to give you time perspective on this, because the latest Rumours have been Javi Gracia. Come on, Rocco, you're of that oh, part of the world. Yeah. Okay, Gracia. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, Rafa Benitez as well. I mean, it sounds like Rafa Benitez has just been on TV saying, yeah, I wouldn't mind to go at the Leeds job. And now he's rang up going, no, seriously, I wouldn't mind to go. So yeah, they're, they're the two ones. Sia was Watford manager in 2018, 2019. I think he took them to the highest ever Premier League position of 11th and an FA Cup final and their fans think very highly of him and I think he was probably kicked out of the club shortly into the next season so 1920 after four defeats I think it was and I think at the time a lot of the fans sort of compare their owners to the Chilino type of churning through managers so I think in their eyes he should have been given longer time what are your thoughts on him I know it's difficult we don't have masters of knowledge about this but initial thoughts yeah initial thoughts I think he'll do is is the initial thought to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I must admit, I'm I'm literally excited by the thought of having a manager and he might be good. You know, this I mean, you know, for all we laugh at Chilino and I don't agree with his watermelons thing, it is a bit true. You know, you in, in the way that you don't really know whether a manager's gonna succeed or fail at a club like a lot of it's just about I don't know, just you know, some someone might succeed somewhere and not succeed somewhere else and and you know, maybe maybe it'll work out for him here. I hope it does. After Watford, I saw that he was Valencia had a full season at Valencia when they he sold. Or well, he probably didn't, but this was when they sold Rodrigo to us in that summer when he was taking charge of the season. And they finished thirteenth, got sort of low forties points, so not particularly impressive. But I think they were in a fairly bad way themselves. So he got replaced at the end of the season. But that's not a disaster. You know, I don't think he's coming in here as, as, a, as a manager who's a failure. So, yeah, bring him in and give him a chance. I mean, I, I probably would prefer Rafa, but whatever. We, I'd like, we just actually do need to get... It's, it's impossible to know, isn't it, what will work? Because it's hard to know whether Rafa Benitez's ideas are out of date. He didn't have a good run at Everton, but was that the whole Liverpool-Everton rivalry? And this goes back to what you're saying. Uh, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't you know I think Neil Warner god this is a, a one hell of a segue he was back and he was at Huddersfield at the weekend and he brought tears well, to his eyes <laughs> so I saw him say but you know he managed to get a lot of clubs or a, a, a lot of attempts at getting out of the championship for you know fruitful for some clubs but he couldn't do it at Leeds he just couldn't do it and you know that's probably a combination of a lot of things but and you think with Gracia or Benitez there is a 
really good crop of players at Leeds. You know, there is there is there isn't a lack of quality. It's but it just needs someone to really dig into it and get get performances out of them so quickly. And I don't know who's up to that. I don't know. I don't, I don't know who or why you would want that challenge as a as a prospective manager. If it was me, I I would be of the Iriola types and be like, I'm all right. Let me know. Let me know how you're doing in summer. Because because on the surface it is a, it is a disaster. You look at it and it, we're in the transition of a of a board and ownership, and it this it's a pressure cooker. Yeah, yeah. But to be fair, any manager worth his salt who's not in a job, I think, should be going for it. You know, you you, yeah. you have to you have to be excited by by coming to Leeds. And I know we say this as a Leeds fan, but it is a massive opportunity for somebody. Obviously, the club's in in a dire straits at the moment. But you know, if you believe in yourself, then yeah, you, you'd like to think that they can they can get us out of it, and and then from there, hopefully, everything changes in the summer, and and, and we can push on. I, to be honest, I'm I'm starting to wonder whether there is as much quality in the squad as as we think. I think it's difficult having like Nyonto and Somerville on the wings, two really talented youngsters, but. Like we had Milner and Pennant when we went down last time and they were talented youngsters and and that's just, you know, not enough. Adams has to regain his form. You know, if he's playing like, I know it was only one game and he played well against Man U, so probably don't need to worry about that. But yeah, like Aronson just looks a write-off at the moment for this season. And, you know, if Harrison doesn't pick up and Bamford doesn't pick up, who's like, then we're looking incredibly toothless. You're right about it being a good prospect to someone who isn't currently in a job and I think part of the issue and this probably segues into an author as well is that are we as a fan base and them as well were we always arrogant about just being able to pick up a manager and just come in because everyone was like ah oh, let's go for Riola uh, all right that's not working Corbin, how's he doing he, he'll come in won't he oh no he doesn't want it Ali Slot, you you fancy? No, no, he doesn't fancy. It's Lee unfolded that no one was interested in coming to Leeds United, and you know, and I think there was that air of arrogance from all of us that is, I don't know why or how that's come about, but it's you know maybe it's Premier League, <laughs> or you know, no. To be fair, it's why would you not want to come to Leeds United as a fan? You think you, I absolutely would want to come to this club, but surface level at the minute, it. For someone who's already in a job who's performing well, it's it's not it's not a healthy prospect, is it? Yeah, that that's definitely the thing. And and like Ariola, I would have thought that that, that was a good chance because he's you know he's taken them as far as he can go. If he gets them in the Champions League, you know, I, if he leaves now or at the end of the season, it doesn't really change anything for him. So he's just basically being a good guy by the looks of things, which makes me want him even more. So yeah, it, it is a tough one. And yeah, probably we were. And obviously Orta's been asleep at the wheel because, you know, he should have been finger on the pulse already talking to these guys and getting an idea of, of, of whether, you know, whether they would be interested or not. And that's the other thing as well. You know, I, I wondered whether this even came into their thinking when they were talking about sacking Marsh. You know, did they ever think, well, who's available now? And, you know, might that change later on? And you, you, I don't know. I, I, I just don't know what's gone on in terms of the planning, if if anything at all. It's It just, it looks like they've just, yeah, again, just just not not planned it at all. Dara Cunningham, Dara's been listening to the show for some time and he sent me a lot of messages last year. He is not a fan of Victor Otter. And I think he's he's been trying to sort of tell the story for a few years, I think. And he sent me a few voice notes last year, but I've, I've asked him to send a, a, a renewed voice note today so, so today. so we'll play that now. 
Hey lads, how are you? It's Dara here from, from Dublin. I uh, just wanted to give you my two cents on Victor Orta. First of all, just to say, I'm coming at this from a perspective of a sports management background. So I have 18 years sports management experience, master's degree in sports management, lecturer in University College Dublin sports management, and I used to be the CEO of a national uh, Olympic sport for my country. So in that role, I would have obviously managed, recruited, hired, and carried out performance reviews with sporting directors who've won multiple medals across European world and Olympic Games. So it's actually I'm actually qualified to... Uh, to critique a sporting director. Orta uh, raises serious red flags for me um, in this professional capacity, something that I've been harking back to as far as Eddie and Ketia. Um, things as far in regards to his foresight, his planning, and his risk management, I would just find absolutely shocking. Uh, the, the, the recruitment of Enketia would have raised initial alarm bells in that he'd presented this massive presentation to Enketia about how he would fit into Bielsa's team, yet Bielsa takes one look at him and sticks him in the reserves for four months, even when Bamford wasn't scoring. That, from a managerial perspective, would raise questions with me as to the congruity with regards to Orta's work or the thoroughness with which he's carrying out his duties. I won't even go into the JKA thing, the, the worst sign in the history of football. He should have been sacked for that there and then. But one thing on JKA was JKA was brought in to have an immediate impact. He was fat, he was overweight, he was unfit. He was not prepared for an immediate impact. And that, again, is a lack of preparation from Orta, despite the fact that we knew Eddie Nketiah was going in the middle of December back to Arsenal, and we didn't get JKA in until the 27th of January. The lack of preparedness is shocking. Um, a big one on the risk management one, it might seem small, but it shows an insight into his tell process, is the loan situation. So last season, in a threadbare squad, we had Cody Drama and Leif Davis both out on loan without a recall clause. Now, I know some people say, well, look, Bielsa wouldn't have had them back anyway, and that's fine. But that's not the point. As a sports professional, your job is to mitigate the risk for Leeds United. And if you're not doing that, you're not carrying out your duties correctly. The fact is, Victor Orta should have had a recall clause in for both of those players, in fact, all players going out on loan, to protect Leeds United against any eventuality. If we don't need to use it, absolutely fine. But it's prudent and it's best practice to have these risk management factors installed into contracts so that Leeds United is not left exposed. And unfortunately, we're seeing that same level of negligence in his uh, follow-up to Jesse Marsh. I mean, Jesse Marsh has been a complete failure in my eyes um, and another Orta project. But regardless of that, regardless of how much he was supporting Jesse Marsh, he had to have a plan in place for if Marsh quit or if Marsh was sacked. And it's very clear he has absolutely no plan in place. The man is not fit to hold the, to hold the office. He's not qualified in any way. He's a journalist. And to be quite honest, lads, I think his decisions, now that Bielsa is gone and can't protect him, have uh, really put us in a, in a perilous position. But, uh, yeah, what do we do to deserve Victor Orta? I do not know. He he sounds like he knows what he's talking about. And, I, yeah, I, I can't argue. I completely agree with him. I just I just think he's, I think he's failed at every turn. And I, and I think... I think Bielsa succeeded in spite of Orta. You know, you look through his signings that he made for him and very few were were used in the promotion seasons. You know, you look at like Baker and Izzy Brown and, you know, Kiko obviously was a disaster. And, you know, also even Bamford really, you know, Roof was the striker in that first season. And, you know, it was only losing Roof that he came in the side. Obviously there were successes there as well, but, 
Yeah, I just, I just think, I think he's failed Bielsa every turn. You know, when he needed players, he offered up players that he would never accept, like Glenn Murray and Billy Sharp in the championship season. And then we ended up going with that Augustine. He's, he's, he's just not good enough. But then beyond that for me is his contempt for the fans. The, the way he behaves is absolutely disgraceful. He, he should have been turfed out as soon as he shushed the fans at Ellen Road. He could have been turfed out for that video that came up before Bourne Brentford going on about how he saved or he, he brought us up after all these years. You know, just, just don't like the guy. I think he's a complete idiot. And I think on the... On the whole subject of Bielsa, because our listeners know we like to talk about Bielsa, <laughs> but the, the I, I can't understand why, the more I think about it, the more it irks me is that, you know, Jesse Marsh has sort of said, oh, you know, I think Wobra will fit nicely into our team. Victor, can we go get him? And there's other players we've signed, we've spent a lot of money getting them off the back of Jesse Marsh, thinking they'd be a good fit. Like, why did we not ask the question to Bielsa? Like back in the day of what what do we need to make this work? Like it's not working. So what what do we need? And I don't think that that question has ever been answered. It's always kind of just been a, a board versus Bielsa type environment. Yeah, I think I think I once said, and I can't remember from who, whether it was a, a credible link or, or not, that Bielsa just wasn't really interested in in transfers. You know, he, he trusted Ort, and he said that loads of times, actually, how much he trusted Ort. You know, he, he praised him a lot for bringing the players to the club that he did. And I think he probably, you know, he, he, will, have, he will have looked over a player that Otto suggested and then been, you know, happy to trust his judgment or if he didn't think so, like with the likes of Glenn Murray, obviously rejects them. But I think, you know, I guess Otto just comes to him with a player, shows him his credentials, shows him, you know, that he's, he's technically decent and, and that he'll run all day. And, and that was probably enough with him. And, and, you know, Bielsa was just happy to get him in the squad and work with him. And, and see what he could do with him. Yeah, I, I feel like he, he probably wasn't that interested in signings and probably never was. You know, when he got one, he never used them for about three months, did he? So I think as well, that's sort of the thing with Bielsa is that, you know, someone like Marsh coming in, it's it's like, I've got a job to do. Here's the instructions, go off and do it. Whereas Bielsa's sort of mantra and way of life is, how do I actually make this kid or this guy like the best they can possibly be? And yeah. he, he would actually co coach them, like properly coach. So I think you're probably right in that Izzy Brown comes in on Lewis Bakey think, yeah, they're all right, but I could, you know, if I work on these, I can turn these into great players. Uh, yeah. sad, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it is uh, sad. But on, on Otto and, and Dara, thanks for, for sharing that with us. I think, you know, in the past when things have sort of gone well and, and they've been masked over, you sort of take it as, oh, Victor, oh, there's crazy Victor doing his, his things again. And you sort of think, oh, that's kind of like the Leeds way. So you, so you, you're happy to, you're happy to see it going on because you just think, oh, well, that's part of our character now. You know, the whole binoculars in Derby with his flag waving around and stuff. Yeah. But then, but, but then you more, more you think about it, you think actually, yeah, this, this probably isn't the right thing to do at this level. Or it probably needs sorted out, you know, you know, and I think I said to you guys, like you and Paul, that I've been fairly positive the last couple of days because I think long term will be all right. You know, yeah, we might have a, a trough, we might drop into the championship and obviously I don't want that, but I think we'll be all right. I think, you know, these, these cycles in football happen all the time. And, you know, we went through a cycle of having the worst owners ever and taking us down to league one and not just that, but sort of 
essentially trying to get as much money out of the fans as possible is what it felt like. And then we had Red Rizzani come in, Orta and Kinnear, and they, they did stabilize the club. At that, at that point in time, we needed that and they gave us it and it gave us the platform to, to kick on, bring in someone like Bielsa, which was good fortune and, you know, let's not deny it, the will of the fans as well, you know, someone like Bielsa could see the city of Leeds and the fans and that was a big lure for someone like him to come to. We got through that and we got into the Premier League. We got as far as we possibly could with Bielsa with not much, in, well, a decent wedge of investment, but not continual investment over the course of two seasons. And we then hit that ceiling again and it's all started to crumble. And But that board that got us out of that moment in time back in the championship, they remain without the credentials of the base of somewhere like the Premier League. And that's just the cycle we're in. And that's the place where you kind of have to rebuild the foundations, don't you? And the sooner it happens, that transition to the 49ers, and let's not, you know, let's not be daft and think the 49ers aren't going to make mistakes as well, but the sooner it happens, the, the quicker the, the club will stabilize. Yeah, I agree. And, and absolutely happy to give, give Rad credit for coming in and, and doing what he did. He, he absolutely did stabilize the club and, and without him, we couldn't have got Bielsa. And like you say, you're right, you know, without the fans and the history of the club, Bielsa, you know, he, he wouldn't have come, but yeah. Fair play to Radvizani for that. But yeah, I, I just feel like they've lost all, all direction. It's just completely out of control now and, and it's untenable. So we do, we, we just, we need that change. And it's just disappointing that the 49ers haven't taken us over already. It does even, I mean, we spent a lot of money in, the, in January, which gives me some confidence, I guess. But I still think, you know, the biggest thing would have been the biggest commitment and that is taking over there. And then when they had the chance, if they had the chance, which I think they did. Yeah, I think I think they've had every opportunity to. I think they're obviously just trying to time it. And Rad Rizani might be timing it because he's probably thinking, well, if we stay in the Premier League, you know, my cash out is a lot bigger than it would be if we yeah. fall into the Championship. But yeah, I think um, it's it's really easy, and I think that's why I I, decided, I said Rocco, we should leave it a day to record as well because I think things would happen. But also, I just could feel myself settling a bit, you know, everyone on every vlog and every podcast is seething and everyone's angry and it's like they're, they're literally just human beings that have tried to do something good. Like they think this is the right thing to do. And it's, you know, none of this is in, is to upset anyone or, you know, th this is the, the, the end of their ability. This is where it ends. And unfortunately we're caught in it emotionally because that's what we gamble on in football is, is all the emotion. And we're just at a point where it needs to change and something will change. It'll either happen today, tomorrow, the next few weeks, but it'll all be fine, you know? And I think as much as it pains me to think of us dropping into the, the championship and, and missing out a, a year of trying to build again in the Premier League, it won't be like last time. It won't be like when we, we dropped out, you know, all those years ago and because we were in absolute turmoil as a club financially, there was, there was no parachute payments whatsoever at that point in time, whereas things are completely, you know, let's be honest, quite biasly geared towards Premier League teams that fall out. And so I think we'll be all right. And I think, you know, you mentioned uh, there being no players with proper Premier League experience. And that's the sort of thing that I think has been missing for us. It's always felt like a bit of an experiment with like, let's get this player in because it could be the next person that brings value to the club, like a young player who's 
you know, worth 20 million now, but it could be worth 80 million. And, you know, and, and Root is kind of that as well, isn't he really? And, and he's yeah. not, he's not really shown any signs of being worth any, anywhere near that money just yet. And that might be harsh, but I think it's, we need that foundation of, you know, I don't know whether Rafa Benitez is the right thing, but we've always sort of shied away from those sort of stable decisions. But actually, is that the thing that we probably need to to try and build on? Is just get that base layer absolutely perfect, and then start to think, okay, so so what's next? And I think it does come down to the board, and like you say, not having a plan and and a vision because they know they're going. Like I think if when Radrazani goes, Orta will go as well. So that's probably why he's not had a succession plan for Marsh because it's like, well, I think this is going to work, and by the time it's worked, I'm gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do agree. And and that's the thing, yeah. If at least we can get some stability in the manager and the players, yes, it, it needs to be someone that the players will respect and, and be inspired by. Javi Grazia, will he inspire them straight away? I, I don't know. I don't know enough about the guy. His record won't inspire them, whereas Benitez is would. So, you know, getting someone like him, it, you know, it might might just help. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'm... I'm a bit like you, to be honest. Like I, I'm surprised I wasn't more upset after Everton. I was, I was angry and and bemused at how bad we were. But I actually didn't feel too depressed, really. Even you know, I, I don't know if it's just like a defense mechanism kicking in. I'm just like trying to accept that. Well, if we go down, we go down, and you know, you know, hopefully we'll come back up. And like you say, everything's all right. We'll we'll still be Leeds fans, and and it just keeps going round and. And the good times will come back, but um, yeah, just just want a manager and want to win, please. Not much to ask, is it? I watched. I saw a clip of someone from Arsenal fans TV after they lost to Man City, and it was it's like this this faux drama and like faux anger all the time. It's like, <laughs> do you like? Do you realise you you you're still top two in the Premier? Uh, I think they're still top at that point, actually. On and it's it's like. You know, you've come the closest you have in 20 years. You're playing the best football in years. You've got a great players. They all seem like good lads as well. You just think, like, what, what, you can't have everything. You know, Man City have, have poured hundreds and hundreds of millions to that team. And they have Pep Guardiola. And, and that's kind of given me a bit of perspective where I, where I also think, yeah, it'd be shit if we fall out of the Premier League, but it won't be as shit as it once was for us. Like, it, it was absolutely dire and people seem to, to forget what sort of state we're in. And I think that sort of stabilizes things for me as angry as I, I am at a, a result at full time. And, and it does ruin my whole weekend that a few hours afterwards, I sort of see sense and think, do you know what? Like it'll be all right. And we will get things sorted and it will be fun to go to Ellen Road. And we will see some wins again soon. Yeah, no, it, it's, and it is true. It is true. We are, we are a better place. Yeah. You know, we're not going to, you know, it's that whole, you know, Blackwell and Gary Kelly thing, wasn't it? You know, we're never going to get to that point, I don't think, you know, this time if we went down. So here we are, cursing things. <laughs> to be fair, we might struggle to get rid of a lot of players, actually, anyway, the way they're going. I had, that, that's the thing was that had me in a bit of a bind the last couple of days. I was thinking, well, who would go? Who would stay? And then you start, that's when you start tying yourself in knots. And you just think, oh, God, this is so depressing. But I think whatever will be, it will be like whoever's here next season if we're in the Championship or the Premier League, it's because they want to be here and they want to play for Leeds. And that is fundamentally all that matters. You can be sentimental about the ones that, you know, just go and move on and what could have been, but just give a shit about the people that are here and, and that do want to play for Leeds. That's all that matters.
can we skip man of the match? Man of the match? Yeah, yeah we'll skip man of the match. Oh, mind you, I feel, well, let's give it to Cock. I feel sorry for Cock if, if I don't give him a man of the match. I, I don't know. I don't have a man of the match. There you go. I'm, I'm <laughs> skipping it. It's not Jack Harrison. It's anyone but Jack. God. Anything else on Alter and Co? Nah, I don't think so. I've whinged enough, I think, tonight. Let's let's pick our chins up and... Well, I can't go to the game on Saturday, so I'm a bit gutted about that. I'm Might away. Can't go I'm, to the uh, game. Travelling. Promoting my new book, Marcelo <laughs> Bielsa versus the Premier League. Off to Madrid for the big, big launch. Marcelo will be there. Have we told the story? Yes. About, yeah, we've, we've told the story about Marcelo Bielsa turning up at your house, haven't we? For all the people no, that think we don't dwell on the talking about Marcelo Bielsa. No, I'll tell it to cheer everybody up and Go myself. Tell, uh, so, tell the story. So I, I was writing a, a, a match-by-match summary of his first season because it was so great. It was the first time I'd ever sort of picked up a pen since I was a kid and uh, wrote it and sent him it during lockdown. And three days later, he turned up at my house with presents of, and, and of thanks, knocked on my door. Had no idea he was coming, obviously. Nearly didn't even answer the door because it was like lockdown. Finally went to the door and it was him and his driver. And uh, he thanked me and said it was very good work. Gave me the the grey charcoal away kit, which is hanging proudly on my wall with number 22 Harrison on the back, which I didn't understand why until I realised that 22 is the, the betting phraseology for El Loco in, in Argentina. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it was even us. He, he, he also, the shirt, which uh, this is amazing, I think. The shirt was a small, a, a UK man's small. And like, I'm not small. And if, like, if you're getting someone who you've never met a shirt, you'd surely go for medium. But I did always order smalls off the, off the website. So I wondered whether he checks my purchase history before getting me the small <laughs> shirt. Or whether it was just a, he just had a Harrison shirt hanging around. Let's just say he did that. That's, that's the level of his research. He's, he's, he's watched yeah. through 10 videos of you just to see what, <laughs> the, what size shirt you were. He's had, he's had surveillance on the 4G <laughs> side of the pitch. Is that a small? I uh, love that. What were the, so yeah, that's a great bag of gifts as well. I'm so Yeah, it was, a, it was a shirt and then a little pin badge, which is my, my Twitter called a moniker. The little Avatar. Picture avatar. That's it. Yeah, a little badge um, which says in the local in the loco way one lives better. Well, that's the translation from Spanish. So yes, I treasure both those items. Uh, no, no wonder I'm always going on about him. How uh, surprised were you when you opened the door? Were you a bit lost for words? It, it was funny. It was like do you know, do you know when you're in a dream that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But like while you're dreaming, you don't question it. It's just it's just happening. And it was a bit like that really. And it was only afterwards. Where I sort of, I don't know, I, I felt like I'd sort of tried to, tried to be too, like I tried to control myself, obviously, and compose myself. And I was worried that I wasn't like happy enough, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. whether he'd have been underwhelmed at my reaction, but I don't think he was. I'm pretty sure I was bouncing off the walls. That's how I, it felt. I imagine it a bit like how, you know, it, I think it's Notting Hill where Reese Siffins opens the door to Julia Roberts in his underpants. And he just sort of <laughs> he just sort of closes it in her face. That that was you, wasn't it? Something like that. Yeah, but I, I had trousers on. Uh, excellent. Well, oh, we we better not talk about it anymore because we get stick for it. But Bielsa is the symbolism of that. Is what you get when you get something great. Lifts the mood of a city, its people, the players, everyone associated with the club. 
And it's not much to ask, but we'd just like that again, please. Yeah. And if they don't like us talking about Bielsa, we, we'll just always refer to Don Reffy then and see uh, <laughs> yeah. people like that. They're going to start hating on, hating on the Don. So we'll be back next week, unless there's ever some absolutely humongous news, which there might be, and we'll, we'll hop on again soon. But fingers crossed we can get something out of the Saints game. It's Ward Prowse did his classic free kick scoring antics at the weekend against Chelsea, and that's probably put them in a good mood and up for it, this one. And yes, I'm nervous. We need a performance. Ellen Road needs to get behind them. And I think we will. You know, let's hope it doesn't turn toxic. Agreed. Yeah, just need to just get behind them and suck the ball into the net twice because Lord Prowse will score a free kick. So two goals, please. Three. Thank you. Just for good pleasure. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's not too stressful. <laughs> yeah. Thanks ever so much for listening. Actually, thinking about it, if you can leave a little review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen, and make sure you just click follow, subscribe, whatever. I don't know what the terminology is, but you'll you'll figure it out. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Okay.